0: Visit carp.ca.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Weekend Review. All things Zoomer. Worldwide, I'm Libby Zneimer. Many Zoomers are now living off their investments, but did you know that under the current rules, financial advisors are not obliged to work in their clients' best interests? Maureen Jensen, the chair of the Ontario Securities Commission, wants that to change. We'll talk to her. And... One of the oft-heard voices around the Zoomerplex is leaving for La La Land. Zoomer Radio's VP of Programming, who listeners will know from the new classical FM, John Vandriel, joins me in studio. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's never too late to get moving. A new study says simple physical activity, mostly walking, helps high-risk Zoomers stay mobile after disability-inducing ailments, even if they've long been couch potatoes. The study enrolled more than 1,600 adults between the ages of 70 and 89 considered at high risk for disability because they were sedentary and had chronic health problems like heart disease or diabetes. Over three and a half years, the walking program reduced the amount of time they spent suffering from a major mobility problem by 25%. New research shows there may be more time than first thought to prevent permanent damage from a stroke. The findings from scientists at the University of Calgary are published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. Before the study, it was thought patients had just six hours to benefit from a standard procedure called endovascular thrombectomy, which uses a clot-busting drug combined with an intravenous stent procedure— to pull out the blockage. But Dr. Michael Hill, a stroke neurologist at Foothills Medical Center, says the Calgary research suggests brain damage can still be diminished with the therapy after seven hours, noting trials have proven to be effective. Tragically Hip fans are being asked to vote for hip lyrics that will be engraved on a commemorative stone in the band's hometown of Kingston. City Council Following suggestions from the public has decided to put up a commemorative stone in Springer Market Square, where more than 25,000 people gathered to watch a live stream of the Tragically Hip's final concert August 20th. Officials consulted the band, and the lyric options range from Everybody was in it from miles around, and we danced the sidewalk clean. Lead singer Gord Downey revealed his diagnosis of terminal brain cancer earlier this year. And Agnes Nixon, the creative force behind the popular TV soap operas One Life to Live and All My Children has died. She passed away from Parkinson's disease Wednesday in Haverford, Pennsylvania at the age of 93. All My Children ran for 41 years before it was cancelled by ABC in 2011. One Life to Live premiered in 1968 and lasted until 2013. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's a fact that many of us now live off our investments, but did you know that your financial advisor doesn't have to do what is best for you? It's something the Ontario Securities Commission wants to change, and to talk about it with me is the OSC chair, Maureen Jensen. Well, you are undertaking some initiatives that, are very important for our audience, especially our Zoomer audience. And one of them is around best interest policies. I think that when people, particularly older people, go to a financial advisor, they kind of assume that this person is acting in their best interest. But Mm -hmm. that is not necessarily the case.
3: No, it's not the case. Many advisors do operate in their client's best interest, but the rules actually say three things. They have to know the the client they're selling to, they have to know the product they're selling, and they have to sell their client a suitable product. And so that is the standard. It's not acting in the best interest. It's selling you something suitable. And what does that difference kind of cover? Well, the difference is that there are a lot of conflicts of interest that are sitting in front of the advisor. So he can sell you the products that um, make him the most money or he can sell you the product that is best for you. And so um, that's really the difference. There's a series of conflicts
2: there that the investor is really unaware of. So in terms of this best interest policy, what would you like to see change? Well, we'd like
3: to see the standard increased. We'd like to see a best interest standard put over the top to say whatever salesperson you're seeing, whatever advisor you're seeing, they need to do all of the suitability, know your client, know your product, but they need to balance every single one of their conflicts of interest in the favor of the client so that the client has the best outcome. And how is the industry reacting to this idea? Well, some in the industry are saying, yes, the time has come to do this, but the vast majority are saying this is going to be too expensive, it's too difficult, and we should stay with the current standards, and we are really pushing hard through the CSA, that's the umbrella group where all the commissions across the country, um, we have published a paper saying that we'd like to know what people's thoughts are on moving the standard up.
2: When the argument is made that it's too expensive, does that just mean in foregone commissions or are they referring to something else? It's kind of hard to imagine somebody saying it's going to be too expensive for me to act in the best interest of the person who is trusting me with their money well I, I agree with you
3: completely. I think what they're saying is that they will have to have new compliance activities to make sure that their advisors are working in the best interests of their clients. But frankly, uh, the OSC and and I personally believe that if someone is selling you products for your retirement, they should be selling you the best products for you.
2: Okay, and then let's let's get to another and very much related issue with this, and that is embedded. Mutual fund fees or trailer fees, mm-hmm. and this again, a lot of people aren't aware. That's right. We've
3: heard in many of our consultations with investors, we've heard people say, My advisor's wonderful. Not only, you know, does he make time for me, but he, he does this without getting paid. They do get paid, and how, and so they get paid by having commissions embedded in the product so when you buy the product and there's a MER uh, management expense ratio uh, number in in that it's often two percent or more and there's also a trailer associated with this, and so that trailer is really a part of that fee gets paid to your advisor. That's how
2: they make money. And just to explain what a trailer is, is that means that uh, on top of the the fee uh, that you see, there's mm-hmm. a certain percentage that the fund company pays to your advisor. That's right. Every year, every year for as long as you're in the fund. You would like to see these trailer fees
3: banned. Yes, we would. We'd like to see everything very, uh, very transparent. You know exactly what you pay and that it's not built into the fund costs.
2: The question that I have, though, this idea has been kicked around for a long time. Mm -hmm. As long ago as 21 years ago by one of your predecessors, Gloria Ann Stromberg, why is it taking so long? Because nobody wants to, to do it. This is hard. This is
3: changing business models. It's also going to be uh, a, an eye-opener for clients. Clients are going to see not only what they were paying, but if we, if we um, take these embedded fees out, they're going to have to pay a separate fee. And for someone who's never done that before, that's a big gulp. And so there's a lot of possible outcomes here that are going to change the way people do things. And we think
2: we have to consult to get it right.
3: We are affiliated with
2: CARP, A New Vision of mm-hmm. Aging. Wanda Morris is on your advisory group. Mm-hmm. What can our listeners and her members do to advance these ideas? Talk to their advisors and tell them they want them to work in their best interest.
3: That's so powerful. When your client says, I want you to do this,
2: it means a lot. Okay. I think that says it all. Maureen Jensen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Maureen Jensen, the chair of the Ontario Securities Commission. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. When we come back, a bittersweet moment for us at the Zoomerplex this week as we said goodbye to one of our stalwarts who's off to Los Angeles. I sit down with Zoomer Radio's outgoing VP of Programming, John Vendril, when we return.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca.
2: Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Neimer. Well, he is the outgoing VP of Programming here at Zuma Radio, and listeners of our sister station, the new Classical FM, will be familiar with his mellifluous voice. After 33 years at our radio stations, John Vandriel is pulling up stakes and moving to California. I sat down with him in studio.
4: It's hard to believe it's been 33 years, because in a way it's gone by so fast. Um, I always pinch myself through all those years thinking I actually get paid to do something that I love. I get to listen to Bach Beethoven and Mozart. I get to work with a great team of people uh, work with a great group of people in in the arts community uh, so it 's hard to leave all of that you know and and move on but what i 'm moving on to a better weather uh, and <laughs> that 's for sure and b it 'll be a similar thing it 'll be like a segue. It's it's almost like these 33 years were meant to, to dev- help me move to the next position, which is going to Los Angeles and helping the radio stations there with their programming and helping them in terms of connecting with their community.
2: So this all started, you went to work for one small station.
4: Well, that's right. I started in the first day, August 22, 1983, first day, In Coburg and driving out there, it seemed like forever, and being thrown on the air, I was doing, um, I pre-taped 10 to noon as well as noon to, I think, 2 o'clock and then did the afternoon drive. And I had no experience in radio and they threw me on the air. Now, we were a small station in the sense that we had a small listenership and they were willing to take the risk. But at the same time, it was the best experience you could get in terms of learning about radio. It was sink or swim.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, but I guess they knew that you uh, have that wonderful voice.
4: Well, the voice, but I also, as before that, I worked at the classical record shop as a manager. So I knew, I knew the recordings and I knew the material, but I was so rough and oh, inexperienced on air. I, I, I'm glad I don't have air checks from that time. <laughs> <laughs> Moses bought the station in 2006 and open up a, a whole new opportunities in terms of concert music. We've done about close to five hundred concerts, and that's really been a highlight for me. I think professionally is to be able to put on, produce a lot of these concerts with some of the best musicians from across the country and around the planet. Uh, some amazing. I mean, you you've seen. And heard I many I of them.
2: remember a, a concert with. Fewer than fifty people with Long Long, who is one of the most amazing pianists on the planet, and, and you know, chatting with him and, and so many other concerts like that.
4: Oh yeah, it was it's it's truly spectacular. And to be in a room, a small room with someone like Sandra Radvanovsky or Ben Heppner, and you suddenly understand the power these people have of of their voices. It's just amazing.
2: Sondra Radvanovsky, incredible soprano, uh, who is American-Canadian or...
4: Well, no, she's Canadian now. She's Canadian yeah, she, now. That's yeah, good. Yeah, she's that's married right. to
2: a Canadian. You have a crush on her.
4: Of course. Who wouldn't? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she's she's, a, she's a, a beautiful woman uh, physically uh, as well as vocally, and her personality is just wonderful.
2: This company started with the Classical Music Station, but two years after Moses acquired it, Two years later, we brought in what is now Zuma Radio.
4: It's wonderful music. I love the music of that that time, quite frankly.
2: Give me a few of your favorite memories of this place.
4: The first radio day, I guess, that we had here at the radio station shortly after Moses uh, took over was in September, and it was in 2007 on Classical, and we featured live concerts from 5 a.m.,
2: Yes, I remember. Through
4: to 1 a.m., and it fell on me to put this whole thing together, which I had never done before in my life. So the next year, we did one that was 5A to 5A. It was a full 24-hour uh, period, which is a little too much. But the first one I do remember distinctly and and going, wow, how are we going to pull this off? And we did. I
2: mean, It was it was lots of fun. It was um, difficult, <laughs> even for those of us who didn't have to put it together, just be there.
4: Yeah, no, no. that That's certainly one of the most amazing moments. The other amazing moment, I think, when my kids were born. And I remember when my oldest daughter was born, uh, My actually I was in Coburg at the time and I was about to do my afternoon drive show and my wife calls and says, I think you better get down here. <laughs> so I hopped huh? in my car. I did the land speed record to Toronto and just made it in time. Uh, Who did the show? Daughter. I forget. <laughs> I forget.
2: <laughs> what you're doing to me is very much – a Zoomer phenomenon, at least a Zoomer phenomenon, as we uh, here at Zoomer Media and Zoomer Radio promoted, and and uh, you're basically reinventing yourself at an age when a previous generation, you know, would be on the point of retiring. You worked in one place for 33 years, and you're you're picking up and not just moving to another job with a with a different challenge, but a whole other country.
4: When I was offered the job and I just looked at it and I went, oh, my God, what do I do? But it was, it was such a, an opportunity that was, is both exciting and terrifying at the same time. And I just figured, you know what? You've only got one kick at the can. You've only got so much racetrack left. Why not? Uh, this would be just so invigorating and exciting.
2: What made you be up for it again at this stage?
4: Just the uh, the thought of something totally different, something totally new, but something that I know what I'm doing um, in a new location with better weather uh, was <laughs> and earthquakes. <laughs> oh yeah, stop that! Um, would would be exciting and uh, it's invigorating. It uh, you yeah, know keeps you young.
2: Okay, well, John, the best of luck to you and. Um it's not goodbye <laughs> we hope to be hearing from you
4: well I'll give you uh, I'll give you uh, weather updates uh, <laughs> maybe earthquake updates as well but uh, listen thank you so much uh, it's been uh, great working with you and everyone else here at the station for all these years so God bless you all
2: and uh, great working with you and uh, knowing you as a friend thank you that was outgoing Zoomer Radio VP of Programming, John Vendrill. I'm Libby Zneimer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, rock and roll's first great wild man celebrated his 81st birthday this week, Jerry Lee Lewis, when the Zoomer Week in Review returns.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca.
2: Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your international arts date book tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown.
1: In New York City, a revival of the classic press room comedy The Front Page is being shown in previews to sold-out crowds. This revival stars Nathan Lane and John Goodman. It's at the Broadhurst Theatre. In Ireland, at the Dublin Theatre Festival, artistic director Willie White says the story of modern Irish theatre is the story of the festival itself. At the Pompadour Centre in Paris, the work of Belgian artist René Marguerite is on display with both well-known masterpieces and other less familiar works, offering a fresh look at one of the key figures of modern art. And in Los Angeles, award-winning playwright Robert O'Hara's comedy about a dysfunctional family barbecue that turns into an intervention for a drug-addicted sister is enjoying its West Coast premiere with a cast that stars theater and movie veteran Frances Fisher. Barbecue is at the Geffen Playhouse in Westwood until October 16th. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Book. This week, the controversial rock and
2: roll pioneer Jerry Lee Lewis celebrated his 81st birthday. He's considered one of rock's first wild men, known for his crazy antics both on stage and off. In 1958, he made international headlines when he married Myra Gale Brown, his first cousin once removed. Who was only 13 years old? It was one of rock and roll's first major scandals. Lewis was blacklisted from American radio and his music career came to a screeching halt. However, in the mid 1960s, he came back to popularity as he turned away from rock and roll and began singing country ballads. In 1986, the music industry seemed to completely forgive his past, and he was one of the first members inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 1989, Dennis Quaid portrayed Jerry Lee Lewis in the film Great Balls of Fire and spawned an entirely new generation of fans. Right now we'll hear the title track of that film and one of Jerry Lee Lewis's biggest hits. Here's Great Balls of Fire. That was Jerry Lee Lewis with Great Balls of Fire. The controversial rock and roll pianist celebrated his 81st birthday this week. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Neimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer
0: worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Neimer. Produced by Dave Woodard and Paul Thomas. This has been an exclusive
1: podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.